welcome aboard. This is Comparing Apples to Oranges, the podcast where we take two things that don't belong in the same genre, but are connected by the same category and using a special set of criteria, decide which one's better. I'm Mike, and with me is... Once again, this is Bob. So happy to have you back, Bob. I'm just happy to be here. Thanks, uh, Mike. We we spoke briefly uh, before we started recording about how the last time we uh, were here, we got to enjoy three out of four movies, and uh, uh, I guess, like, watching Get Carter from the 2000s era, what, at least we got to see, you know, John C. McKinley. So I guess that's good, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, yeah. There, there are a few positive takeaways from that movie. Cool suits. Very shiny suits. Cool is a weird word. I mean, like, it's a perfect... If anybody's like, hey, what was the year 2000? You're like, like you're like, well, it's, pre, it's pre-9-11. It's mm. pre and they're like, I don't know what that means. You're like, let me sit yeah, you down. <laughs> I'm not going to show let you the Matrix. You. The Matrix isn't going to make any sense. What pre-9-11 United States look like. Yeah. It's this movie. You're like, wow, you guys, maybe it was, maybe the Iraq War had to happen. You're like, oh, well, that's a dark takeaway. But, you know. we're When when historians, you know, uh, history teachers want to show their students, um, you know, images of what the peak of the American Empire looked like before 9-11, the They'll show clips from Get Carter. It's uh that little guy, uh the little snivelly guy from uh Goldeneye, and he's got like a little RC car. You're like, wow, being an elite was cool back then, right? You're like, yeah. Bill Gates, <laughs> Jeff Bezos trying to build like something in a mountain. Like that's not as cool as this RC car. <laughs> like you're right. Wow, you're it's right. a twelve volt RC car. It's a peak billionaire toy. In no. the year 2000. Yeah, it's like that's a rechargeable battery. It's not a nine volt. It's a twelve volt. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, lithium ion? Uh, no, just just like a bunch of AAA strapped <laughs> together. Yeah, we got that special battery tape. Uh, but okay, so reminiscing aside, and reminiscing of last episode aside, we're here with uh, movies with a twist, um, which. I kind of forced the category this time because I really wanted to watch Weekend at Bernie's. And uh, I contacted a handful of other of our uh, uh, guest hosts, and all of them had seen Weekend at Bernie's. Bob, had you already seen Weekend at Bernie's? I had never seen Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, One of the great cultural touchstones of uh, Reagan-era United States. Uh, Uh, No, I'd never seen it, so it was my pleasure to join of this episode okay great because um i don't think this movie can be seen outside of the first time you see it because uh andrew blackwell uh, a co-host on the show apparently loves weekend at bernie's and weekend at bernie's too and he's like oh yeah i've seen it i've seen it <laughs> dozens of times and that blew me away wow. <laughs> and i no think kidding i think the reason he likes it so much is because if you watch it in the right mindset, it's, you know, it becomes instant nostalgia. Like, just because it's it's modern-day slapstick. Um, and yeah, a, yeah, a lot of movies can't do that. And I, I'm going to be, uh, especially American comedies, like, it's, it's other potty <laughs> humor or, like, violence. Like, not, you know slapstick and like oh we knocked over you know uh, i slipped and knocked over a bunch of cups and they all fell on the ground and broke 
or something that's like uh yes. okay we gotta have a we gotta have somebody eat eat poop and then we have to have somebody um you know someone's gonna get punched in the face they're kicked they're, in the balls yeah their balls have to be set on fire and then guillotined you're like well that's that's oh, yeah. humor right and yeah. that's and that's this is hilarious and that's pg okay we're not talking tom green stuff all right it's down and dirty <laughs> but this is sort of um you know this is sort of like an uh a live action cartoon sort of thing and i think uh a lot of movies that can do that well are very good uh if you've ever seen kung fu hustle by stephen chow they they've talked about how like the, the CGI in that, like, with random scenes where, like, there's a chase scene, and then uh, he, like, a bell falls on his foot, and it swells up with, like, cartoonish CGI. So, like, it's it, it's sort of, ha you have to, like, enter in to, like, farce land mentally as the audience, and, like, so if, if the movie sort oh, yeah, of yeah, I would say, triggers a, that ahead of time, it's easy for another, you to know. I would say another example is uh, Raising Arizona. Exactly. Is another very Looney Tunish, uh, especially in its action, is very um, Wiley Coyote style. That's a good one too. Yeah, a viewer who's already seen it once would not be able to give it. Would would not accept that there is a twist in the movie. But for me, and for you as uh, first time watchers, this movie has more than one twist, which I can tell you. Honestly, I did not see coming. I didn't think this movie would have a layer, let alone two layers. <laughs> like, no, uh, right? I, when the first layer came in, the first ten minutes, I was like, "Oh, this movie has a plot." Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, "Got a couple uh, young guys, the dead guy." Yeah, I thought because you know that's what's on the cover, and that's how it's described. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> here's the like sentence and a half uh summary um andrew mccarthy and jonathan silver silverman are young insurance corporation employees uh they discover that their boss which that their boss bernie is dead while attempting to convince people that bernie is still alive they discover that bernie had ordered their desk to cover up his embezzlement that that misses the whole first part <laughs> Which is like, right? Uh, that they are schlubs who, um, through like hard work, find a clerical error and are very happy to like secure their jobs because you know in corporate America, Bob. I don't know if you know this. In corporate America, it's doggy dog out there, mm -hmm. and you have to make yourself valuable to the company. Uh, otherwise you just, you know, tossed out like yesterday's bathwater. Um, this has been, it is, it's all about climbing the ladder. This has been your, uh, corporate, corporate ladder climbing minute here at comparing apples to oranges. Uh, we're going to do it once a month. We're just, you know, um, we're going to have a mixer soon and we're just going to, you know, network. These are all words I've heard before yeah. about business. Tune in for, yeah, some more business tips. Yeah. Uh, so um, they... yeah, I, I, although I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them both like equally aspirational. Uh, the one guy the, wants to make uh, money uh, though. What's the actor's name? Of... Jonathan Silver Silverman or something? Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, he was a little more straight laced. Just wants to work hard and you know do his job right, and then he'll get rewarded. But then Henry McCarthy, like 
you know, he has the one line in the movie where, where Jonathan Silverman's like, yeah, you just got to work hard. Then Aaron McCarthy's like, yeah, my dad worked hard. All they gave him was more work. Like, well, yeah, man, you know, worker B gets the work. So that was going to be next week's corporate or next month's like corporate minute lesson. So I guess we knocked that out. That's pretty good. Um, got two minutes <laughs> uh, for the price of one. Or you know what? Maybe we could put that on the Patreon. That sounds like a good idea. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so for a while, I was trying to find like movies that were a holiday that wasn't Christmas or Halloween. And turns out this is a Labor Day movie. So um, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, so the the line like the movie starts off as uh, like with. With the phrase hot enough for you being used more than once, and like they're working on the weekend and the song working for the weekend plays. And like, I'm just pretty <laughs> sure that like this is going to be played like pretty straight. Like, I didn't think that was going to happen, but I thought the so like at one point the movie's going to be played straight. And I'm like, didn't see that coming at all. Um, and then like intrigue is yeah. introduced where like, uh, you know. Their boss is a sleaze ball. You're like, okay, that's fine, that's interesting. And then you're like, uh, '80s boss, sure, sleaze ball. He's cheating on, like, he's cheating with the girlfriend of a mob guy. Is that right? Uh, uh, yeah, that's what I got from that dinner scene. Um, they talk Which, about, yeah, God, tough choice there. They talk about his joystick. Which is a phrase that I'm not familiar with. In, I know what they were uh, insinuating, but I just hadn't heard it called that before. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the boss does coke at work. I don't know if that's to make him more sympathetic or less sympathetic, because it's no longer... It's it's the end of the 80s, so I don't know if that's like like a faux pas now. Um, you know. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say it's a faux pas. It, we're we're still pre-Clinton, so I think the coke flows free. Okay, good to know. Um, I, I, I do, I would say, I do think that more executive offices should look like Bernie's office. He had a really awesome-looking office. Yeah, that's how you do it. He had, like, a wet bar in there, and just like, walls of shelves, and yeah, it was, it was very classy. I guess our first twist is that the mob is no longer doing illegal activity, but it's moving into, uh, like day-to-day businesses where it's like where they can make money as in like parking lots um so it's you know well, you, yeah sure you sort of get the godfather is all about yeah it's like sort of a pre-soprano soprano sort of thing where it's like he's trying to get into the esplanade <laughs> uh um and then uh so the first twist is that bernie is has the one who embezzled the money um, it wasn't a clerical error, uh, and right. there wasn't like somebody embezzling. It was their boss, and um, that's Bernie skimming. And so he invites them to the the house party for the three day weekend. And uh, the second twist is that Bernie asks for these guys to be for uh, our two main characters to be murdered. But what's the twist, Bob? Bernie gets got. Yeah. Bernie gets, like, I guess it's... By the mafia. Did they say it's a heroin o- overdose? Like, they just shoot him up to with too much? I I think that's the play. Okay. Was he a heroin user? <laughs> I, 
Although, hey, I guess it's easier to die of an OD if you're not a user, so... I Maybe know. it's a good cover-up. Yeah, well, his heart... We, we know his heart was addled because of all the coke, so... There's, like, some dramatic irony where we know that Bernie wanted them killed, but they don't know that. Um, right. And then the first, like, real twist is uh, they're going to call the cops, and then, like... I think a busty lady walks by or something, and then he's just like, "Don't call the cops!" And like, <laughs> yeah, the the, the uh, all the blood flowed from a brain and their big boners at the at the busty lady, and they forgot, I guess. And I think that was like the biggest twist for me is when the movie, because like all up to that point, I'm like, okay, that makes sense, because like I'd seen Michael Clayton, I know yeah. that like like assassinations aren't always like big things. It's like they're waiting for you, and they calmly put a syringe in your arm, and then you're, you're toast, bro. Like, Yeah, that's it. Uh, so that was uh, oddly, like, uh, you know, realistically cynical, is that there's not a big shootout. This guy kills him and then dresses as a priest and disappears, you know? And then the movie <laughs> makes a tectonic change. <laughs> like, everything shifts from... Uh, like realistic story that I guess could be a caper at one point where they're like, oh no, he's dead. We got to find out what happened. To just I would that's a, that's one of my first notes here is totally like, insane. wait, is this movie a like a gangster murder caper? Yeah, <laughs> what's going on? And then, uh, like you said, yeah, the movie just flips the script into total madcap slapstick. And uh, there's a lot of reggae in the, uh, like, soundtrack. I didn't see that coming either. I'm yeah. considering that another twist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not see the reggae coming, but I did appreciate the knockoff Paul Simon. That's fair. Uh, whatever the, the intro and outro song was, I, yeah, it was very uh, Gracelandish. Yeah, which, you know, big fan. I'm a big fan. Um, hey, another twist. I, I like the song. Didn't see that coming. Uh, there's a couple more twists, and I'm going to save them. Uh, let's talk about our second movie uh, from the master of twists. Can you can, think? Can we not? Mike, can I cut you off? No problem. Can we just not talk? <laughs> no <Okay>. problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so can, I continue. Can you think of another director who is like known for his movies having a twist in them? The only person I can think of, like, sort of, is Hitchcock. And his isn't so much twist as it is suspense. His is, like, suspense, and then Vertigo has a big twist in it. Like, that, but that's, again, just, like, it's a twist. Yeah, big twist. Yeah. But, like, Strangers on a Train, it's, like, well, it's kind of in the plot. And I think that's the thing, too, is, like... You kind of know what's going to happen. It, it's not so much that Psycho had a twist as so much it is, like, a, a monument to filmmaking. <laughs> like, you you would never understand if you were a moviegoer at the time. And, like, for, for like if you watch it today, like, you, you never yeah. thought the movie would end when it, like, her storyline would end and the movie kept going. You're like, no, she's the main character. Like... How can she be murdered? Right. 
you know she's janet lee she's yeah mega superstar and yeah she gets well, uh, you know she gets got with what the most famous murder scene in film history <laughs> um, yeah i mean i'm sure you know audiences were you know slack jawed at the time watching it you know it's still more to watch it for the first time today than yeah maybe it wouldn't seem like this totally new thing right because it's just so, so absorbed into the cultural you know uh knowledge of what movies are mm-hmm. but yeah you know psycho at a twist like like you said so we're talking about our boy m night um and uh this is his 2006 movie lady in the water um which is his fourth film so first movie is six cents uh blows up and then unbreakable which uh you know he were just like oh okay so that i wanted i almost didn't know that movie had a twist until it's just like you know the the who the bad guy was sort of thing and I don't know if I yeah, would, that's true. And I don't know if I would consider that a twist. And then he did signs, where that wasn't a twist either, so much like as like a build up and reveal. Like I don't consider a reveal right. like a twist. And then he did the village, yeah, which the village was Twist City. Like that. Twist. That was the whole point. Yeah. was that was a twist. It was all about the twist. And then, um, and now we land firmly in lady in the water uh paul giamatti um i don't think he had done sideways yet so i don't did he get an academy award nomination for sideways Lady in the water 2006 um i think sideways was like 2003 or so oh god so i think this was after sideways yeah it was um i don't know if he got an award i think did, did that one best picture i don't know but he he's bringing Anyway, funny movie. Go watch it. Um, yeah, don't watch Lady in the Water. We're just gonna get that out of the way now. It's like, here's our twist. We're gonna tell you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, uh, go watch Sideways instead of Lady in the Water. Hundred percent. Also, just like sit in a room quietly for an hour and forty five minutes instead of watching Lady in the Water. <laughs> um, I'm gonna <laughs> just so I wrote uh TBS characters welcome for the, for the like just to get this out of the way like. He, uh, Paul Giamatti is a super at a hotel, Mm -hmm. an out, like, uh, an apartment complex that looks like it has very strong hotel vibes or a shitty motel. Um, but it must be long-term living situation. And I, I'm willing to say none of the, um, you know, so speaking as a white straight male in 2021, I'm willing to say that none of these character portrayals are racist, and I'm pretty sure I'm the one who gets to say that, right? Uh, Checking the books. No, I don't get to say that. Yeah. Too bad. Um, oh, that's right. I, for, I always forget stuff, you know. But so I, I the reason <laughs> I'm not ready to call these portrayals of his characters racist is because I think he's just lazy. Like, I don't think he... And, yeah. um, and that's a form of racism is that like, I, I, yeah, he's just like, like tropey. Yes. He's just like, oh, there's a Mexican or family. It's very pat. Right. He's like, they, yeah, they have a bunch the... of daughters and they all like act crazy because he there's a, uh, a rat in their room. And it's like, that's like you. 
I understand that you don't necessarily need to nuance that and have each person be their own individual person, but it's just boring. And like you said, it's, we've seen this, it's, it's so lazy to just be like, oh, you know, th this is who they are. And you're like, oh, all right. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. I think there's a little bit of wiggle room for using like very broad stereotypes as like cheap characterization without going into like racism. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like, it's not good storytelling by any means. Um, here's another twist. Paul Giamatti's character has a stutter. Uh, I consider that a twist because, <laughs> because it doesn't show up until, you know, we like, I, I don't know, 45 minutes in. I'm like, Oh, look at that. He has a stutter. Who saw that coming? Not me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, how about that? Uh, you know, um, he, uh, they have a rule that you can't swim after seven o'clock, which, like, oh, so they, this motel-esque apartment complex has this, like, giant pool in the middle of their, like, shared space. I don't know how to describe it. It, it's what when you yeah, go when you go to like guard. a motel on the road like in a road city <laughs> you know not like an actual city uh you've seen yeah that's what this place feels like it did not but it's like in philadelphia which is even uh, another twist like but i didn't understand why you can't Huge twist why wouldn't you want to swim after seven o'clock like 10 o'clock makes sense to me you know but like it's just right Seven's really early. like seven is daytime in the summer yeah the sun's still up <laughs> right and like I, I, if i'm paying to live somewhere i'm like i'm gonna swim okay next twist freddie rodriguez uh <laughs> is he calls himself a scientist which is just <laughs> fine and he's like look i've been only working out one of my arms and it's much bigger than the other arm and it's, Very uh, Rafa Nadal-esque. It seems unusual that he would con continue the experiment to the point that he, like, his one arm, the I think the scientific phrase is hypertrophy, like, it's grown too much. Yeah. And the other arm is regular arm, and I don't, was I'm guessing it's just prosthetics. I was more interested in that than I was in the rest of the movie. Like, I don't know if M. Night Shyamalan made mm -hmm. him do that. Because Freddie Rodriguez is one of our, like, few character actors who, like, dissolves into a role, regardless of the quality of the movie. And, you know, that's... I, I, we get uh, Bob Balaban, he does the same sort of thing. Like, whenever he yeah. shows up, I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I don't like, know. okay, this is a real actor. And I think okay. Jeffrey Wright, too, he's another guy who, whenever he pops up, I'm like, all right. Yeah, this, I always enjoyed Jeffrey Wright. I think I'm, I think we're in good hands because he's here. And then you forget that, like, these guys are so into character, they don't care what the movie is. They're like, I'm going to act my ass off. And sometimes that's not good. Um, like this movie. And sometimes that means doing crossword puzzles. Oh, jeez Louise. Um, okay, uh, so the premise of the movie is, you know, loosely based on a 
did you hear the origin of this movie? Yeah, so it's a uh, kind of a bedtime story that M. Night, I believe he made it up like as a child. No, he And he, then he would continue to tell it to his kids. Yeah. Um, but it would like, uh, he would improv it and it would iterate and it kind of evolved over time, which you can really tell in this movie that there is no foresight to anything in the plot. Which is why it's such a good twist movie. <laughs> Because uh, every time there's a twist, you're like, well, there are technically a lot of twists. Uh, so yeah, all right, sure, Bob. When you, you have you have young children and you read to your children, uh, off the top of your head, what's a good page length for a um, toddler? How long of a book are you reading to your to your Ruth uh, before she goes to bed? How long are we talking? Uh, length in pages. Yeah, pages. Um, I mean, I try to keep it between like 150 and 200. Um, you read 200 no, pages? Yeah, so nice. she's, <laughs> she's about to turn three. And um, I I read like four books to her a night, uh, but they're usually like 10, yeah. 50, you know, 10 to 20 pages, maybe. Um, and and these these are pages with like one or two sentences right. on them. So, do, yeah. Do uh, you know yeah, how we're, long? We're reading some pretty short stories. Do you know how long the self-published? It's not self-published. That's not fair. It's a little brown book. So, uh, that's the company that produced "Lady in the Water," a bedtime story that uh, was released the same day as the film. How long is this book that M Night Shyamalan wrote? Uh, God. Um, I'm guessing it has to be at least, you know, the length of like a 110 minute movie script, which would be, you know, what, 110 pages or something. Pretty close. This is a 72 page children's book. Often. I think that's a novella technically. <laughs> like it's definitely, yeah. it's a, it's a very long short story. Can't and, read that in a night. And, uh, he, yeah. So he credits the development of the movie I to a, read it over a week or something. To a bedtime story he told his children about what happens in the pool at night. Um, so this is sort of like when someone's too cheap to get a library card and like get the Hobbit, you know? They're like, I, we don't need to. This is, <laughs> this is the sort of crap that you hear about, like, uh, I got stories like Jaden and Willow Smith and like why they're so messed up. Is they're like, what's your favorite music? like to listen to and they're like we don't have artists we listen to we make our own music you're like what an ignorant thing to say <laughs> like of all music <laughs> right. you think yours is better <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's the sort of thing that m night Shyamalan like nobody would it, it's the it's the stephen king effect where it's like after you you know produce every single book is a new york times bestseller you're just like you're like well i don't need an editor and then you know you write the same book 50 times and it keeps getting on the list of New York Times best yeah. and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and then your children are subjected to a 70-page children's book and you know yeah but like i feel like at least king earned the reputation you know when did he start writing like early 70s yeah. no must have been the 60s probably uh Carrie, um, carries his first 60s, one I don't... His yeah, first, well, in, uh, his first book know, under Shining Stephen King, yeah. It was probably the 
first movie, and that came out in like 71. So let's say you started right in the late 60s. Uh, I feel like he didn't really get like hack until the 80s. So let's give him 15 years of like a super, super successful, solid career. Right? You're, okay, so you were right. First M- published M- novel went for 1974. So that's fair. Oh, okay. So we go from Sixth Sense. Yeah. A great movie. Yeah. Really well-made movie. Huge phenomenon. Well-earned. 1999 to Leading the Water, Seven Years Later, Utter Garbage. Yes. It's kind of a thing in the tank. <laughs> it's yeah. He ran out. He's just like... like... Yeah. King had like thousands of pages of original stuff before he started redoing, yeah. you know, things. And, uh, and you know, this writing became a little predictable. But God, Shyamalan had put like three solid movies and a lot of people gashed out a lot of people didn't like signs because it showed the aliens and you know that's i think that's a that's fair true. argument i don't yeah. agree with that argument but i understand that it's a fair argument yeah yeah um good 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 point good distinction i think the important thing here is uh okay i'm gonna read this this sentence the roles of madame narf healer symbolist guild and guardian are only suggested madam narf uh the book describes the narf scrunt tartutic and ilton in detail their roles identical to those in the film it sounds like i'm having a stroke or that i've caught random aphasia where i'm just like (laughs) words uh become nonsense in my mouth Um, you know it's it's like when those people i I just one of my notes was just scrunt Me too. Where they just say scrunt like 12 times in like a minute. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Funny word. Um, How about that scene where they do charades for, it feels like 45 minutes. It feels like 72 pages worth of uh, (laughs) charades. Um, That that was good. I I think my favorite uh, line in the movie was, uh, I don't know if I have it um, verbatim, but Jeffy writes, um, you know, auguring uh, clues from a newspaper. Oh. And I think it's the uh, M. Night Shyamalan's sister or whatever in the movie. She goes, wow, he's hearing the voice of God from a crossword puzzle. It's like, how is yeah. that what you got from this? How can you so grossly <laughs> misunderstand what's happening? <laughs> Oh man, this uh, just just an awesome movie. Um, like you said, like there's twist after twist, but like it, it's just so I don't know explicit. It's so like there, there are no stakes. He just like reveals a new twist, and you're just like, oh, I okay, just another red herring, I guess. I don't think like, it is on, though. Go on to the next one. Twenty I... minutes later, oh, and another twist. Okay. So what's next? I uh, there's a lot of um, odd sexual energy, but it's like it it's not like mature sexual. It, like it's confused and it's like oh, very yeah, oddly directed. Because like they they talk about how so she's a lady from the water. She's not a girl from the water. So but then at one point. Paul Giamatti calls Bryce Dallas Howard just a kid. I looked it up. She was 25 at the filming of the movie. 
so it's not a weird okay. Roman Polanski thing. So that's always a sigh of relief from yeah. the audience. However, <laughs> however, she she is. Uh, we don't get an age for her, um, and I don't think that they hint that there's a like a, a sexual relationship between them. I hope it's because she's well, a different yeah, species. I mean, Right, she's a narf, so like maybe she's like two. <laughs> oh no! You know, uh, like was she like born like this? It's and one of those like, things where it's like, like this, this pure, and she knows nothing. She clearly knows something. She has, she does have a story to tell. Christ. Um. Yeah. Her, yeah. That's right. Her name is Story. <sighs> Thanks, M. Some some things should be a twist, I think. Like it shouldn't be so punch you in the dick, stupid. <laughs> like, hey, you you probably don't know this one, but what about there's a scrunt? You're uh, like, no, I didn't, I didn't need a scrunt. Uh, I just need a story to make sense. Um. <laughs> so, uh, here's not a twist that Shyamalan casts himself in the movie because. Uh, I think in the sixth sense he was a man on the street sort of thing, and then in yeah, was no one, did he even have a line in that movie? I, I can't remember. He might it, have, it was insignificant. He might have had something, and then each movie mm. progre- progressively he's getting more and more of a role until uh, this movie where he is. Um, I think at one point they say that he's a writer whose book is going to change the world. It's yep. going to bring like peace to the world. Is this, am I but being hyperbolic? Just that it, it, he's a writer who's going to bring peace to the world, but not until, you know, after his life, because, you know, audiences and critics just won't understand it during his life. But one day it will bring world peace or something. It's like yeah, man, sure. Um, yeah, it. Uh, he's he he's got what probably like the fourth most lines in the movie or something. Like he's a really significant character, and not a good actor. No, and that's you know I'll say that especially in a movie with a lot of on paper really good actors. And even that, it's just, this movie is crowded with humans that you're trying to remember the names of. Uh, like, I don't remember Jeffrey's son's name, and he's a pretty important character. Like, he's on, he, he's got a, mm-hmm. a quality amount of screen time. And, for a child actor, yeah. not wildly awful. Like, I'm very critical of ch- children actors, and I'm always confused as to when directors make them do something oh, that's yeah. not, like, play kickball or be mean to other kids. Like, <laughs> I'm always confused. Right. That, is like, a, that is a choice they gotta make. And yeah, that that choice gets made poorly. Yeah, very often. Yeah. Um. So, is there anything that you want to talk about from this movie before we like, uh, just discuss its twists? You know, we've we've been dumping on this movie, rightfully so. It's it's pretty dire. I mean, even if you cut out like twenty minutes and made this a ninety-minute movie, it still wouldn't flow well, and it would. <laughs> Yeah. probably would still say don't watch it um but i do think there were some interesting visual storytelling elements okay. um as i'm watching it i just i couldn't help but notice 
uh, the perspective of some of the shots was either like partially obstructed by like tree mm-hmm. or something, or you know, uh, being shot from a weird angle, mm-hmm. or the subject is off centered in the shot, or there are shots like through windows into yes. the scene, or through an open door into the room where then the actors are are acting which you know i feel like there's i feel like what that's saying is that it suggests that you know there there is a world on the other side of something and you know we can look through these portals to see you know a a fantastical story world um which is what the narrative of the movie is also kind of trying to do that there is this <laughs> again there's this story mm-hmm. um there's this fantasy that exists you know in some like this almost parallel realm that that only touches our reality you know in, in these few ice um and you know the, the pool is a portal into this world and um uh, yeah, like the camera is, itself is suggesting that to us. Unfortunately, the story that we're getting a peek at is uh, pointless and interminable, and um, none of it really goes anywhere. Yeah, it's so. To that, I would say um, congrats to the cinematographer. Probably Shyamalan. That's the twist: is that he he can make a good movie, he just doesn't <laughs> want to. You're like, ah, God damn it, got me again. <laughs> Um, can you, like, I, I don't know if I was capturing, like, did you think he was a good director for the first couple movies? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, and I would still say he is a good director. I don't think you can make The Sixth Sense and be a bad director. Like, okay. that's, it's a good story. Um, the kind of clues dropped throughout, um, as to what's going on the first time you see it. Yeah, like it's great, and then when you rewatch it, you're like, "Oh, these are really great hints as to what's coming at the end of the movie." Um, so yeah, like I, that's an awesome movie, and you can't take that away from him. I just, I don't know, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he got just, you know, he's sniffing his farts too much. Because I think the thing you know, that got he got a little too high on his own supply. The thing he does in each of the successful movies is like a careful look with just a handful of characters and all of them live, Mm -hmm. live in the real world and then discover something sinister or, you know, uh, supernatural or, you know, yeah, something that shatters their world. Right. But it's just about like, so the sixth sense is like one and a half characters. Cause like, it's mostly Bruce Willis, but also Haley Joel, and then Unbreakable uh-huh. is mostly Bruce Willis, but then also sort of his son and sort of Samuel L. Jackson. And then Signs is like, mm-hmm. it gets a little bigger and it's just the family. And then the village yeah, is like family. And then the village is the village of people. And then this is a whole community. And it's sort of like he doesn't know how to write more than one interesting character. And so he took all of like how interesting Bruce Willis's character in both Unbreakable and Sixth Sense and then like Mel Gibson's family is 
and he like divided that by the population of a you know medium apartment complex in Philadelphia and he right. he didn't have enough left over he's just like well we're just going to have this one asian woman who doesn't speak good english and she's going to dress skanky i guess i couldn't figure that out and then <laughs> her mom is just going to tell all of the exposition and you're like i'm all of it she knows exactly what's going on and you're like the reason you're doing that is because the movie's going to be really short you're like oh god no it's going to be just under two hours you're like oh then why do you need all the exposition he's like because i'm gonna do all the twists bruh um this is technically a (laughs) fantasy drama psychological thriller film which one of those words is Hmm. most accurate to you hmm um fantasy right sure Sure. um drama technically psychological thriller no each word gets a little bit more question mark at the end although i will say i mean i remember being intrigued by this movie when it first came out like seeing the the trailers and I, I haven't rewatched the trailer since then, but I remember the trailer making it seem like it was going to be another like, ooh, it's M. Night. It's yeah. like, you know, kind of sci-fi horror type of stuff. And then, you know, the reviews came out and it, <laughs> everyone panned it and I, I didn't see it until now. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, There's not a whole lot of psychology in this movie. Uh, there is that scene when she flies on a giant bird, though. Do you remember that scene? No. I think it's the end. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the other movie. Um, uh, no, this is like this movie is anti psychology. Like every character is single is one note. Um, there's no depth. Um, yeah, there's there's not a single argument for that <laughs> against that. Uh, <laughs> it's just kind of like, oh yeah, of course they are. We, what, what do you think we're gonna do a yeah. whole story where like people are interesting and there's more than one interesting person in a movie what do you think this is yeah we can't do that nuance <laughs> no, no no no. we're gonna have each person speak a different language louder than the other person because they don't understand each other and then we're gonna have a party <laughs> we're gonna have a party and they Gosh, gotta have a party uh, a huge climax and See? it 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 rains at the party you're like okay Not. uh what's how is this a this is a like a whole scene like this is a set piece is the party and it doesn't yeah. go anywhere yeah but you know that's what happens it, when yeah, you it's like it's supposed to be like kind of an action set piece and man i don't know m night i think should stay away from action <laughs> he like just the way it was filmed like you watch like really good action directors and their choreography and not even action, but like just like thrilling scenes. Yeah. Uh, like there's just very little sense of space. It, it, it's almost impossible to tell where the characters are in relation to each other. But the whole point of the scene is that like they have to meet and like relay information to each other. And it's just like a 20 minute long garbled mess. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a really bad game of telephone that. It's as if they're trying to not communicate well to each other. Um, yeah. Especially because, like, at one point, we find out that one of the characters who lives in the apartment complex knows all of the facts that are necessary, and they just 
don't talk to her. And then when they do talk to her, mm -hmm. it's like it they're just pulling like exposition out of her. For some reason she's like withholding this information yeah. inexplicably. Um I do need to read this this summary. It says the film's plot very generous concerns the superintendent of a Philadelphia apartment complex true. who discovers a young woman in the swimming pool. Gradually, he and his neighbors learn that she is a water nymph, parenthetical or narf, whose life is in danger from a vicious wolf-like mystical creature called a scrunt that tries to keep her from returning to her watery blue world. I think the guy who wrote that barely understood what the movie was about. <laughs> Because that's not that's not the plot at all. It's not the plot, but it is also not incorrect information. Can we talk? They don't even mention cereal boxes. <laughs> Remember the cereal boxes? That was stupid. There's so much to have to I remember. remember the cereal boxes. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like I didn't remember it until I just said it. Now I'm like so right. There is so much detail and none of it matters. Yeah. Um, or it, it matters to the next scene and then it's all forgotten. Like nothing ever circles back to, you know, older information or things that happen earlier in the movie. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough one. But we watched it and now we're going to, uh, critically um dissect which one of these uh movies with a twist is better we'll be back in just a minute with uh four criteria to tell you which one of these uh, movies i guess that's what they're called i don't know which one's better we'll be back in a second <laughs> We're talking about movies with a twist, and we came up with four criteria to determine which one of these movies with a twist was better. Um, as always, we talk about rewatch ability. So, which movie would you uh, pop back in, or you know, it shows up on TV, and you're like, eh, "This isn't bad. I'll, I'll rewatch this one." Um, and then, kind yeah, of, I got an hour and a half to kill. Along with this, uh, because it's a movie with a twist, um, we talked about. Which movie is going to improve with a rewatch now that you know uh, what to predict? Like, you know what's going to happen. You uh, have that foreknowledge and you're rewatching the movie and it's sort of, is it a better experience? Is it a different experience? Or is it um, sort of like Harry Potter where you're like, oh, she didn't know this was going to happen. Like, she just, you know, she just made this yeah. shit up each book. <laughs> That's just a little a little personal vendetta I got against her. Sorry. <laughs> the political stuff little, aside. Little for those of you who haven't. Think, <laughs> think oh, she's kind of lazy. Please, let's leave that aside for now. <laughs> just think she's kind of lazy. Uh, have, haven't haven't read those books. Um, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe maybe if Ruth likes them, you could read them with her. But as I, you know, I as only we, as we get beyond uh, twenty page books, uh, that is something. I do want to, you know, when she gets older, read those books, or at least the first one to her. I didn't uh, read them. Hey, I could read it too. I didn't read them until I was an adult, and I just read them all. Like, okay. 
uh, and without, you know, the eyes of a child, uh, you know, they, mm-hmm. I don't think they really stand up that much. But that's, you know, I was expecting <laughs> a lot because uh, of the fandom, yeah. you know, and I was looking for holes uh, to find and I was looking for, you know, criticism and of course it's easy to find. Right. It's it's easy to find that with anything right. if you're looking. So uh okay, so for our other one our other uh categories we talked about um which movie did a better job of uh leaving its twists unpredictable and sort of like on the flip side, which ones could we see coming? And last of all, uh, sort of tied up in all of this, how much does the movie respect its audience? So whether that's the writer, the director, um, how much do they think that the audience can pick up on and sort of reward them for paying attention? Uh, or how much handholding um, are we subjected to? So those are our categories. Exactly. Bob, where do you want to... How much, uh, how much re- re-two-packed... Uh, Derek Jeter style. Huh. Uh, where do you want to start with our criticism? Let's um, let's start with the easy stuff. Let's do a uh, rewatchability. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna rewatch Lady in the Water unless I'm doing it like a M Night Shyamalan watchathon. You know, where you're like, okay, I'm going to knock out every single piece of media this guy has done. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that would that would take a lot from me. Because I, I feel like even if I was doing an M. Night rewatch, I feel like I would skip this one. <laughs> or like, you know, I'd only rewatch his top, you know, yeah. five films or whatever. I might rewatch this if, like, TCM gets their hands on it and they're like, hey... This is now a classic movie, according to Mr. Turner. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, you get... If, if Ben Mankiewicz... That's it. I was about to say that. To me, I, I'll let him. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of it. I I need more from this because re-watching it's not going to um, be enough. Like, I think I could rewatch Weekend at Bernie's and yeah. I could get a couple more laughs out of it uh, just because. Well, and I just feel, and, and to be clear, I, I totally agree um, that, yeah, Lady in the Water is not going to get a rewatch. Um, we can have Bernie's, like, it's it's funny enough. Yeah. It's a good um, slice of America movie uh, in its own way. Uh, it's, I don't know, mostly inoffensive it's a fine Saturday afternoon movie. I think that's a good, yeah. It's like, would you put this on if you were going to be walking around the house? Like not, you're not going to give your attention to this, but like if you try to rewatch lady in the water, you're not going to like, you're going to want to leave the room, you know, like you're like, Oh, (laughs) you're going to find reasons to like avoid going back in. Cause you're like, they're going to be talking about scrunts or something. And I just don't have the time of day. Well, either have to leave the room or clockwork orange it and just strap me down to a chair, pry my eyelids open, and just make me watch it for 110 minutes. Yeah. Cause, yeah, that's another thing. It's it's not a short movie. Uh, okay. No, I was pretty blown away. Um, so which movie 
improves with the rewatch. Like, which movie is better now that you know how it ends? <laughs> See, now this I would say Lady in the Water. Okay. I just don't see Weekend at Bernie's getting better on a second rewatch or on more rewatches. I just think it kind of is what it is at this point. Lady in the Water, maybe I could like follow the story better. Not that it would matter, but at least like, oh yeah, okay, I could describe this plot to someone level of understanding of the plot. I, okay, so I'm going to agree with you. I think you raise a good point because um, if I learn the characters' names and who they are mm -hmm. and what they have to do yeah. with the movie, I might be able to. So I was just having this argument. Yeah. Not, I, not I, argument. Yeah, I can stand to learn that. I was actually having the same discussion about uh, the movie Tenant um, with... Arthur David Gregg. Hmm. Uh, we'd watched the movie and it was intentionally, uh, like, plot points are intentionally obfuscated. Like, you're not supposed to know hmm. who is who and what is happening until you watch the entire movie. Like, and it's not one of those things where it's like memento, where it's like you're being, like, it's an unreliable narrator. It's like, Literally, right. the the main character is called the protagonist. Like, if you put on subtitles, yeah, like, or you check IMDb, like, he doesn't have a name, and you're like, oh, that's, and it's not one of the th Fight Club things where it like adds to the story. It's just like they didn't, they didn't give him a name, and you're like, well, this is, it, yeah, it's intentionally obscure. Like, you have to rewatch it just so you know what happens or why something would happen <laughs> and not the same sort of rewatch with the sixth sense. Okay. I keep going back to, it because that's one of the first movies um, that wasn't just a mystery, you know, where they're like, uh, right. Like the movie clue, like you would get, you get a little bit, uh, mm. you know, you get a little bit extra because you know how it's going to end. You know, we mentioned the usual suspects before we um, started recording. Usual suspects. Uh, the Prestige. Excellent. Similar to Usual Suspects. Christopher Nolan did a good job uh, at that In that one. regard. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But you you can't uh, ignore that if you rewatch The Sixth Sense and you see the color red or you watch uh, Bruce mm -hmm. Willis... Inter, like he doesn't pull the chair back when Interact he goes to with anyone. Yeah, he doesn't pull the chair back when he goes to eat dinner with his wife, and you're like, oh, his wife's yeah. mad at him, and it's like, mm -hmm. no, she's sad that her husband's dead. Yeah. And you're like, that is yeah. good. That's interesting. Like you want yeah. to rewatch the it. actors actually act like he's not there, but they and, act enough like he's there that it's plausible on the first time through. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing that I know it's not fair to always expect the same thing from a director, uh, you know, because they, they want to create different content. I can completely understand that. But, like, not, like you can't rewatch this and be like, oh, you know what? Like, now that I know his his family's dead... I can watch this movie different. You're like, he, he does not act like someone whose right. family was murdered. No, he's just, he still doesn't matter. He was a doctor. And now he's like 
killing a rat? That doesn't make any sense either. Like, how, how is his family being killed? Stop him from being a doctor. That was a twist. I got to give him that props. Um, yeah. Paul Giamatti, so uh, in sort of a reverse of the American story, like the traditional American story of like, uh, someone is in a country that America, like Americans, uh, view as backwards, um, comes in like they, they used to be a dentist or like, uh, an ophthalmologist in their country. And they come here and they have to like work their way up and take night classes. Cause we don't recognize, you know, a cert like a, a university that's not an American university, like, yeah. and then that right. person earns their way back to their former fame. He uh, starts out as a doctor and then on purpose becomes a superintendent of a Philadelphia apartment complex because his family was murdered and like his tears fuel the narf or something. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But that happened. Wouldn't Wouldn't the opposite career move be the, uh, the, you know, my family was murdered outcome like you're super of a of an apartment complex chance you know any new tenant moves in maybe it's a family that's going to bring back memories you know i don't know if you're a doctor at least you're seeing like individual patients and you can like save a family right or maybe it was like but, a, hey, maybe it was a doctor strange thing test. and he was like a surgeon and then he was in a car accident and now he can't be a surgeon anymore <laughs> And so he's a superintendent. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But, I, okay, and this, I think this uh, lends itself well to audience respect. I shouldn't be doing all the heavy lifting over here. I shouldn't be spitballing uh, oh. about Paul Giamatti's dead family, you know? Um, I agree. So um, which movie do I, you think I found did a better job of I, respecting the audience, Bob? I feel like in a very... Uh, Ronnie Dangerfield uh, sense. Yes. I got no respect That's, you're from right. Night Shyamalan. You didn't. It was, I mean, it was honestly borderline insulting. <laughs> as much as, I don't know, a viewer can be uh, insulted by bad storytelling. It literally... What's one of the first things like an English teacher, a writer teacher, tells you about writing? Show, don't tell. Yeah. Nothing is shown in this movie, and everything is told explicitly in exposition. I mean, like, there was a whole scene where they were using charades to build, like, world build. And it's the most mm-hmm. boring way you can do that. Uh, I had a brief <laughs> I had a brief stint uh, this summer where I didn't know how Reddit worked. And um, I was on like three or four of these subreddits and they're like, hey, we've got free books. I'm like, I love free books. And they're like, uh, they're all virtual and like digital books. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Um, They're like, hey, I wrote this. I wrote this science fiction book and I'm letting (laughs) people read it for free if they don't mind giving me some feedback. And I started reading it and I said, oh, I don't know if you're going to like any of my feedback. Like. That's, that's not a deal. <laughs> um, and and the thing is, like, there's a reason uh, there's only a handful of, like, famous science fiction writers. And there's also a reason that, like, usually those people are, 
like kind of made fun of is because it's really hard to do a good job of not just being like, okay, so there's this special like disease and it like turned everybody into psychics and like that's where we're picking up the yeah. story. Or like there's a special like bomb and now there's zombies and you're like, <laughs> okay, but like the, this person's like there's a special planet and on the planet there's two kinds of people and the one are red and they call these other people blue guys and then you're like i think yeah because like if you just pick up in media race like clockwork orange is a perfect example of like if you just pick up in the middle you can figure out what slang is from the i know this is going to sound crazy context clues yeah. right and like <laughs> You're like, hey, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that, that book opens up fully in slang. Yeah. And, yeah, you figure it out. And that, that slang itself builds the world. Yeah. And, um, and it sort yeah, of man, I, drives I mean, it like that's, I feel like, I feel like it's one of the classic problems of, yeah, uh, of sci-fi. It, it walks the line so carefully. Great sci-fi. It can so easily turn into bad jokey hacky sci-fi yeah. um just through uh the introduction uh of the world building to the reader so yeah it's in the future and there's a spaceship and uh the, an e a robot controls the spaceship and he's evil and he's killing people it's like okay that could be really bad or it could be 2001 space odyssey yeah that's a good point so tell me uh, what about Weekend at Bernie's made you feel respected as an audience member? <laughs> um, I was respected uh, in that uh, the, the director believed that I would not be offended by a 90-minute um, charade of corpse desecration. Yep. Um, of necro necrophilia. That only happened once, and it was alleged. Uh, it's true. We didn't see it. Um, yeah, it uh, was I respected. Yeah, I'd say I was respected. How about did, did you feel respected by um, Weekend at Bernie's? Um, I thought like up until that one pivotal moment where it was like, I think that's when the move it, it was sort of like a sliding doors thing, but they forgot how what sliding doors is where it's like it's sort of two different movies met at that one point where it's like a fairly yeah. like a, a movie that wouldn't have been necessarily uninteresting, but it would have been, it wouldn't have necessarily been a comedy if it's like two friends come and yeah. they find the guy dead and they have to make sure that they're not, not necessarily that they have to solve the murder, but they have to make sure that they're not, uh, convicted of criminally it. criminally liable for it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the other movie where it's just like corpse desecration is the name of the game. And uh, they have to keep this thing going for whatever reason. Whether it's money, whether it's uh, like this guy's trying to get the girl. Exactly. Um, and that's where I kind of like got confused and like I li I would like both movies, but I was frustrated that they were one movie. Um, but that being said, I I felt 
I was just so frustrated with there were like Shyamalan's like, oh, of course it can't be this person. And you're like, why not? <laughs> yeah. There's no way to know that. Yeah. So that was frustrating. And I did not feel respect. No, extreme disrespect. Okay, our last one. Which one had more unpredictable twists in it? I would say, technically, um, The Lady of Water had more unpredictable twists. Because, like you said, there were plenty of like mini-twists, and none of them are predictable. They're just made up on the spot. Um, but the- i got to give the weight of it to Weekend at Bernie's. Um, not only... Uh, did I get I was totally taken aback by the entire gangster mafia storyline and that uh, Bernie was murdered. I thought it was about these two dudes that like showed up to their uncle's house and he was already dead and they like had a party with him. But yeah, he gets murdered. Um, and I think the uh, the other big twist and we didn't talk about this. But I'll bring it up now. Um, I think the other big twist about this movie is that. Uh, the the subtext of it is it's actually a movie about uh, Reaganomics and uh, 1980s party culture. Mm. In a, and the in total a good vacuity. Way? Oh no, no, I think it's an I think it's a a, um, a powerful indictment. Oh, okay. Yeah, of 80s uh, party culture, especially you know upper class rich people party culture. Uh, you know they go to the house and Bernie's dead and then literally 100 people show up at the same time for this party and they're talking to him they're interacting with him he's dead and he appears dead Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the entire movie and no one knows he's dead uh is it just because you know bernie does so many quaaludes in his spare time that like this is how he parties he's just catatonic uh during these party moments is it because every single person at these parties is so self-absorbed and either like drunk or coked out that they have no awareness of other people around them? Um, I don't know. I, but I, I think it was definitely trying to say something about uh, the emptiness of that lifestyle. And I think that that uh, kind of goes into our corporate minute for the next month or the following month, because like, uh, how important is it to these two young men to like can like not just move up in the corporate world, just like keep their job where they were working for the weekend? They're willing to like subject all these people to a a corpse of their friend, like you know, like they're willing to go to jail, yeah, because it's you know <laughs> this is what they're doing is wrong. It's legally wrong. It's ethically wrong. But they're willing to do that so that they keep a shitty job. And this one guy, like, max on a college student, I guess. Like, <laughs> like these are our heroes, Yeah, Bob. right. How, these are their hard heroes. Are grinding? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that... <laughs> and the, the, the issue is that the, the things were, like... We're applying, um, you know, so, somewhat exaggerated, like, uh, lens onto this movie and, uh, yeah, sure. you know, so, some for humor, but like, it also fits. That's the thing is like, you can't apply, a bit of fun, but yeah, you can't apply a single extra lens to lady in the water. Like 
it is it is what it yep. is and it's not nothing like it's it doesn't There's make no any damn sense even, you can you know try try as you might there is no subtext it tries to be political um, but uh because oh, m night Shyamalan has to write a book to, that unites everybody but that doesn't even make any mm-hmm. goddamn sense and it doesn't happen no yeah i mean at least the weekend at bernie's you can you can yeah you know maybe uh i'm having a little bit of fun but you can look past like a certain veil of the movie and say huh i want i wonder if uh, maybe something's going on here and yeah lady in the water is just i think that's flat and that kind of tells you like all good pieces of art can have more than one interpretation even if the like the the artist didn't intend it like that's the whole like um oh yeah I, yeah, and I would say, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe not everything says something about like society, but I mean, I think every piece of art says something. It's I, and um, so I recently uh got into the so it's a podcast, but then Netflix did like four or five episodes of Song Exploder. Have you heard of this uh, program? Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of the program. So they talked about um. Losing My Religion by R.E.M. And they're like, at a certain point, your song, uh, if the fans like it enough, it it's no longer yours. It belongs to them. And it's like, okay, that, you yeah. know, uh, that's a very... Yeah, there's, there's a truth in that. That's a very, you know, uh, like selfless way to approach media and like fandom and all this stuff. And I think that like right. Weekend at Bernie's is so over the top. But it's also so like grounded, like the the characters are real people who are experiencing real things, and then it like goes into the absurd. Yeah. And Lady in the Water tries to like on the surface, that's what it's supposed to be. Like it's it's pitched as a story where it's like your world is actually more wonderful and mystical and dangerous than it actually is. But it's a goddamn snorefest. Like he's there's right. like there's it, a it should be. I... There's I mean, a... it's technically, yeah, you know, um, uh, uh, about like real life, right? And right, like every character is, yeah, like a writer or, or a shut-in or a stoner or a landlord or yeah, uh, you know, a super or a movie critic, yeah. And it's right; it's technically grounded, but everything is so <laughs> facile, yes, that it then totally removes it from reality like the, like the these people are real the scene when they when paul giamatti fully clothed jumps into the pool that is connected to a different world he finds the cups yeah. that are strategically placed not for humans because the, the woman from the water nymph i, I assume has gills the lady because she's a water nymph and that's how Greek mythology works. Um, but he like finds these like play, like strategically placed glasses, glass jars that have oxygen in them. And yeah. then he get, does he go to the other? I don't even remember what happens. And that was a really key part. And, but he's fully clothed. And like these, sh- these scenes are reminiscent of like Tom Cruise holding his breath for six minutes on screen. You're like, why? Why did they do this? Why? 
Oh no! Didn't he find like a? Spoon? I think they wanted to. I think they wanted to demonstrate the physical. Prowess of, you know. well, yeah, yeah. Oh, does Tom Cruise impress you? Yeah, we got Paul Giamatti. Yeah, we took the guy from sideways and we made a hold of his breath for five goddamn minutes. <laughs> You're like, that's a world record at this point in the early in the early aughts. This is a world record. He's in the Guinness Book of World Records yeah. for this movie. Um, I do need to point out mm-hmm. that uh, this movie was considered a financial disappointment, grossing $72 million against a $70 million budget. Okay. Whoa. So I guess that's... Oh, it cost 70 Dude, did you see the, Ooh, the CGI that's... of the 06? Like, this was heavy CGI. Um, <laughs> do you want to know... Oh, man. This is insane. Uh, so... The budget for Weekend of Bernie's was fifteen million. Okay, it grossed. Sounds about right. It grossed thirty three zero million dollars of nineteen eighty nine yeah. money. That's fifty billion dollars yeah. in today's money. I'm assuming. I don't know. <laughs> that could have bought you the state of California back then. Yeah, back then. Yeah. What a deal. Um, uh. Yeah, I mean that that's not really surprising. Um, just because like I feel like, like I've always been a working at Bernie's. Yeah. I, and I, maybe it's just the movie cover, you know, like the picture of two guys holding up a, a dead and presumably rotting corpse, and you know having uh, just a madcap weekend with them. But so yeah, I mean I, I imagine it made some money. I don't know. I heard of it. Yeah. It says for presumably good reason. It's the producer the producer's interest was piqued. He initially pitched the idea to his partners at MGM but was rebuffed. If somebody pitched you an idea about two kids with a dead guy, you'd think they're crazy. Uh that's what the producer <laughs> later says. Uh but like they just sort of that's the whole thing is like they they're like, well, what if we just do something absurd? Uh, and they commit to it. And I think that's the difference between the two and why one is successful and the other isn't. Is because they sort of set up the stakes. I think you said that earlier, and I thought that was uh, just su- such a perfect way to summarize the two different movies. Where it's like, yes, one is about world peace, and the other is about... Uh, them losing their job they're not going to get murdered they're not going to go to jail that's never on the table but like them losing their job and not getting laid is on the table and then with lady in the water (laughs) you're like um so is there like a love interest involved you're like no you're like she needs to get back you're like yeah you're like why they're like because that's what narfs do duh you're like oh, of course she does i forgot that narfs she said she said she does have to scrunts and then there's like a group of like super scrunts or something that no and then they fight and then there's these tree children that fight the dogs from the triptychs or whatever they're called yeah but like if freddie rodriguez just looks at them they stop because he can control their mind through their vision (laughs) not that he's he has the one super strong arm that's not important not that he has the pool skimmer that's Mm. not important 
if he just looks at him and yeah. then he stops looking at him or something. It's like, why did you do that? <laughs> why did you stop looking at them? It's like it's like the easiest thing you can do. Unbelievable. Uh, okay, so I don't know if you were keeping track at home, but Twist, uh, Weekend at Bernie's, is the movie with the twist that <laughs> we, we liked more. Um, Bob, any final words on uh, on this before we move to our recommendations of movies that we liked? <laughs> um, final words. I would... Uh, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd watch Weekend at Bernie's. It's 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 a funny movie. Really good ragdoll effects with um with the body. I think there there are a number of good scenes where they do one of my all time favorite um you know filmmaking uh, film effect things is when you just replace an actual human body with a ragdoll. Yeah, it's fun. Always funny. Throwing it's... throwing a ragdoll guy out of a helicopter or something that that's funny. It's fun. What else is there to say? It's fun. Uh, okay, we'll be back in a minute to tell you some of the movies that we liked that have a twist in it. Uh, we'll be back in just a second. Okay, we're back. Uh, <laughs> we've got some recommendations for movies with a twist. Um, Bob, go ahead. Uh, it sounds like you have a good one. So I'm going to recommend movie with a twist. The Game, starring Michael, Michael Douglas, Douglas and, yeah, Sean Penn. Oh, man, I forgot about that. Um, uh, and uh, uh, I believe it was written, uh, directed by the great David Fincher. It, it, just a, a killer filmography, this guy. Um, yeah, Aliens seven, 3. Aliens 3. It, it, you know, Alien Cubed. Thank you. That's uh, on me. <laughs> that's on me. Aliens to the power of three. That's on me. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Zodiac, Social Network, Gone Girl. Just, uh, unbelievable. Mindhunter. Oh, I forgot about that. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, I would recommend the game. Um, it is about a, a very powerful businessman. I think he is. Michael Douglas and yeah. his brother, Sean Penn. It's Michael Douglas's like 50th birthday or something. So Sean Penn gets him a special present and he's a participant in the game. So it's like, and it's just like this real life emergent game that happens and the movie's just wild. It's awesome. It's so there's, there's two like references that, uh, this movie reminds me of it. And it's the, the comedy that has Bill Murray called the man who knew too little where like he goes to visit mm -hmm. his brother in London and he thinks he's participating in a murder mystery esque thing where he's supposed to be like the private eye, but he actually yeah. like gets involved with like, uh, you know, a crime that's happening in, in real time. And it's like play for played for yucks. Cause it's Bill Murray. And I, hundred yeah, percent recommend yeah. that movie doesn't have a twist, but like, it, seen it. it's exactly like the game like spoof version and or it's i there's yeah. no way that they the, the the movie makers saw each other's movie but like it one is definitely a spoof <laughs> and then the other is like no but like what if like sort of thing and they <laughs> they right. play it a hundred percent straight and that's awesome because the game is really really good in that 
there's it sort of plays this thing where like in total recall where like you're like oh he came out of it immediately and you're like oh so it didn't work right. and then it's act but like it's sort of moving forward like it did work and like i i thought that was really cool well and it's 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 just it's one of those movies where you, you you're kind you're kind of expecting some sort of twist exactly yes. and if you're listening to this by that i'm saying it has a twist and so you're what you watch the movie and you keep thinking like that twist is going to come and something's going to turn and it doesn't and it just keeps escalating and you're like what the fuck yeah is this real yeah and and that's the whole thing it's like that's how you're supposed to play this stuff is like you play it to yeah like you just keep pushing it and i think that's why right it and so my recommendation is gone girl which is by directed by david fincher <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, if if the game has a great twist, Gone Girl, like, I remember, I remember watching this movie with Lauren. Yeah, we didn't see it yeah. till maybe a couple years after it came out. Same. I didn't know there was any twist to it. I exactly. just somehow avoided everything about it. Watching the movie, and then the twist hits, and we looked at each other like, are you serious right now? Uh, yeah, Gone So Girl's well done. Awesome. Um, I think, so I great, did. Great Affleck. 100%. Which I feel like is a rare sight. Uh, also, the <laughs> Rose, what's her? Uh, Rosamund Pike. Thank you. Yes. Oh, she is. Love her. She gets cast in a lot of stuff, and um, you know, so mm -hmm. I, I'm not in Hollywood, but yeah, uh, she gets work. You gotta, you know, you gotta do your job, and your job is acting. And sometimes that means you're in the movie Doom, yes. and only Mike likes that movie. And sometimes you're in <laughs> Gone Girl, and it's a <laughs> international bestseller. And then sometimes you're in an Amazon yeah, original movie, uh, Amazon original movie about um, Madame Curie, and it's fucking dog shit. You know, like sometimes this stuff happens, and she just keeps rolling. Yeah, and I think sometimes you're in thing. Pride and Prejudice, and yeah. sometimes you're in. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean um, 3? Dying of the Day, or, or whatever, uh, you know, average yeah. to below average Pierce Brosnan James oh. Bond movie she was in. That's a good point. Oh, that's too bad. Um, and yeah, so it's too bad. I think, I think the best part about Gone Girl is that because you know it's a, you know, miss, it, it, uh, it's a ostensibly a mystery slash thriller whodunit, um, your yeah. the audience is paying super close attention and then it's just mm -hmm. like with the first major twist you're just like oh well now i can't trust anything i gotta rethink everything and then it's like it keeps going and it's not at a pace yeah. it's not at a pace that's like punishing it's at a pace where you're just like you are it's a roller coaster you are looking forward to the next thing being revealed oh yeah i mean it, it i want to say it's right around a two hour movie yeah. it, no no it is two and a half hours okay it, it yeah so it, it doesn't it, feel long but it, you know no 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 it, it moves well um but yeah like the, the 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 major story beats happen at kind of unpredictable kind yeah. of intervals throughout the movie yes that's a really it, good it's point. always when you're not expecting what you think you were expecting um other other Fincher movies that were on the list was like, uh, he did seven and they said that had a twist. I'm like, I don't think mm -hmm. that's technically, I don't know. That one's not as much. I, I, 
guess it's a twist. Yeah, it, it not. It's it's a great movie, but yeah. yeah, I wouldn't call it like a great twist movie. Yeah, but most of his stuff is good. Um, I mean, like now, like as, as I said earlier, like pres- the Prestige, yeah, different, huge different director uh, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, incredible. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if I'll put it down in writing yet, but maybe his best movie. Yeah, I, it's definitely a, a lot of people don't like it, and it blows my mind. Like I cannot understand uh, what it is that maybe it's this the uh, um, magical realism part that they just like can't get on with, but like yeah, it's, right, right. A, as a it story a out there, but, but, oh, as good. a story, it's so well so well done that I love it every time. Heartbreaking and and it honestly like you know as as kind of after the twist. Well, no, I guess it's at. Well, yeah, I'll just say the first twist, major one, it really makes you start thinking about, like, this is terrifying, yeah. actually, what's going on in this movie. Right. And I think that is one of the ones that where if you go back, like, the first scene is panning over the hats and the um, rabbits, you know? Yeah. And you're yeah. like, and you don't get like, there's no way you remember that until you watch it again, because there's so much stuff that happens. So, and it's a great example of, uh, as, as little as lady in the water, uh, clearly had any like forethought or, you know, like structured storytelling to it. Right. Uh, prestige is one of the all time great, like puzzle box movies. Yeah. Where everything fits into place. And, it could be the first time you watch it and you love it. And, you know, I've seen it 10 times and every time I watched it, I'm like, Oh, okay, great. Oh yeah. That, that's a great glue. And, uh, Oh, Oh man, that twist actually works, you know, yeah. back here in or this earlier part of the movie. And yeah, it's all very tight. Yeah. Well put. All right. Um, so those are our recommendations. Uh, we're on to our next segment. We're doing another snack attack. Uh, so every, on, baby, Every, like, uh, season, new season of uh, Comparing Apples to Oranges, I add something to the podcast. Uh, last season, I did show notes. I started doing show notes where, like, we have a little, like, uh, f- like follow-up things where, like, trailers for the movies or, like, article links to articles and stuff. Uh, this time, this, this season, I'm trying to do, um, like, I'm trying to do social media better, so I'm going to try and get, like, things for like posts on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and then the next posts are great. The next season, I'm going to try and get like a little stinger, like a little fun, uh, thing to play for this segment. But right now it's just, uh, this is a, this is a segment that is inspired by an, an homage to, uh, the entire podcast of, um, uh, there's two podcasts. So my brother, my brother and me do a, a special segment called, um, Munch Squad, where the oldest brother, Justin, like, will read something from, um, a quick service, uh, industry, like newsletter that's put out by, uh, it's someone's job who's getting paid, like, you know, six figures to write this just stupid oh, yeah. drivel that like Taco Bell's, it, we know you've had a tough year because of COVID, but we're putting out, we're, we're taking, we're bringing potatoes back. And like, you know, it's played for yucks and it's, it's amazing every time I listen to it. And then, uh, the Doughboys, where, um, Nick Weiger and Mike Mitchell talk about fast food. 
Uh, but they also have a segment, like, specifically about, like, they'll eat a snack and see if it's good or drink something and see if it's bad. Today, we're going to compare two things uh, that belong in the same category that are not the same kind of food. So we've got um, a Doritos, Tangy Pickle Doritos, and, uh, like, vanilla, oh, nice. vanilla Cupcake uh, Goldfish. And I'm calling this category uh, Stay in Your Lane. Um, so... <laughs> Goldfish are well known for their like uh, salty treats. Uh, I think the first time salty they ever cheddar-based, yeah, cracker. The, the first time they ever sort of like strayed from that is the pretzel uh, goldfish, with which uh, has mm-hmm. a very strong following. And Doritos, um, <laughs> usually known for uh, nacho cheese, sometimes they'll dabble with spicy, and then their most successful, of course, is Cool Ranch. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, I like I like the spicier. Uh, do you remember 3D Doritos, Bob? I want to say it I, had something to do with the Nintendo I, 64 launch. I think launch. about 3D Doritos every single day of my life. <laughs> of course you do. Um, um, unbelievable that they don't still exist. Uh, that my favorite Doritos. I don't know if they were my favorite, but I like you know how when you it, it's a nostalgia the thing. 3D. Like, no, it wasn't favorite? the three. It was the Pizza Hut Dorito and then the Taco Bell Dorito. Um, uh, yeah. I and the reason I liked I them is those. they were so covered in powder that when you would eat one, you would come away mm-hmm. and it looked like you'd just gone, like your fingers were covered in this stuff. It was like you, it, this is before the days where you would eat like spicy Cheetos and it would turn your hands pink, you know? So have you, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. um, have you had a pickle that's a chip that, that before? It's dust. Um, the cheese dust material is something that, um, well, I, I won't get too deep into explaining it. If you know, you know. But uh, by Kyle Dreamitz and I, we called that cheese keef. <laughs> it's just like pure distilled cheese powder. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, have I ever had a pickle chip? I think I've had pickle um, Pringles. Okay. Um, I've definitely had like salt and vinegar chips. Yeah. So there was which a... I, which I feel like are similar. There was a chip company... Uh, when we were, uh, like middle school age called poor brothers and they, that was the first, uh, they were like kettle cooked chips and that was the first pickle flavored chip I'd ever had. And we, uh, my, uh, Italian family is very enamored with weird flavored things. And so we would have that and we enjoyed them. This is the first time I've seen this pop up. And I don't think it's the last. I I think it, uh, so. Schnooks, our local grocery store, um, uh, has uh, like a fancy branch called Culinaria for their like mm-hmm. their own like uh, generic brand stuff. And I believe they have a pickle chip now, a pickle flavor chip. So this is not the first one. Oh, nice. Um, so we're gonna eat both of these things and we're going to see which uh company so this is sort of like the reward uh the title goes to the failure here so which one of these should stay in its lane so which uh should the (laughs) should the uh fish crackers stay uh savory and salty or should the uh doritos stick to uh cheesy and spicy gotcha okay oh what are you trying first just say i so I'm going pickle chip first. Okay, same. Um, I feel like the vanilla cupcake would be a nice little uh, dessert treat. 
I gotta say, so you know, you gave me this bag of Doritos and just a clear sandwich oh, bag. Oh yeah. Uh huh. I'm and a And there's not a whole lot of obvious um, flavoring on it. So I'm looking. I didn't even know they were Doritos. I just thought they were tortilla chips. Um, but as soon as you said pickle flavored, I was very delighted. And the scent, uh, the scent is there. It's unusual. There's not. I mean, like I'm getting some stuff on my fingers, but it's mm-hmm. kind of clear. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some of these in a cup of milk. That could get me there. Huh. Okay. This is a lot harder than I thought. I'm. Hmm. I liked both of them. Oh, this is gonna be tough. Yeah. But. I mean, that's I've what we, we get paid the big well, bucks for this sort I, of stuff. I have so. a. I'm going to have to say. Um, Goldfish Grahams should stay in their lane. Same. Specifically, I should say specifically the vanilla cupcake should stay in its lane. Um, the Dorito pickle, it, it was really good. Um, good pickle flavoring. Smelled great. Um, so get your classic uh, Dorito crunch, you get a little bit of that uh, uh, pickle keef on your fingers, <laughs> uh, as you would hope from any Dorito. <laughs> That's how you know how um, many so you've really eaten, nice too. too. Uh, exactly, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a temperature gauge, but for the number of chips you've eaten. <laughs> um, goldfish, grams, vanilla cupcake were rather tasty. Mm-hmm. I will give it to that. I am, I guess I'm extremely disappointed that on the packaging here mm-hmm. is a picture of a vanilla cupcake right. with sprinkles, oh. uh, numerous sprinkles being dropped down onto the icing. Um, the pictures of the goldfish grams seem to have sprinkles within them. But I got to tell you, I'm not getting a whole lot of sprinkle here. No, I think... And, if you're going to advertise me sprinkle, you got to give me sprinkle. And if you're not, you got to stay in your lane. And, okay, so uh, I think that something that they're missing, if, they, if they're if they serious about, mm-hmm. you know, dabbling in dessert, like frost these guys. Like, I've had frosted. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've had frosted animal crackers. Like, that stuff exists. I was just going to say, make them like an animal cracker, right? Or if you want to, like, go... Like, Frost them and sprinkle. If you want to get weird, like, make a Dunkaroos sort of situation. Like, have some icing, uh, other with sprinkles, Ooh. or, like, the sprinkles come on, a, like, a third uh, compartment. And, like, you know, then then you right. gotta... Then you gotta uh, dip, dip it sort of situation. But, like, if you're just gonna, like, put out graham crackers with, like, a vanilla cupcake dusting because these are just graham crackers with dust on them these are not baked in um but when you get a dorito Mm -hmm. you know that it's a a, it's a corn chip with dust on it and sometimes it's a cheese chip same exact chip between every bag and uh you know dorito has been sort of dabbling in other flavors since I, it's, it's since at least the mid '90s, and you know now they've got the spicy, kids, yeah, and they've got oh uh, now there's a whole chip aisle full of them, yeah, and so like uh, pickle, um, is I I I'm pretty sure Lay's has a pickle chip, but it doesn't taste like this, uh, because this has a better crunch and um, mm-hmm. the powder is yeah, uh, I think it's 
there's more powder on it, which is what you want from a Dorito. You you don't get it because you're like you know going in clean. You're, you you don't you're like you're like oh I, right. I think I'll get the Cool Ranch because of how clean my hands are going to be. You're like no, you get it because like how bad your breath is going to be. Uh, because that's it's how like, good oh, it shit, is. I'm not going to clip my nails before I eat these because I want <laughs> maximum amount of uh, orange discoloration beneath my fingernails. Exactly. And uh, so I'm I'm a, I'm on board with you, uh, Bob. You got it in one. Um, it, I think if Goldfish is going to dabble, they better stay in their lane or in, increase uh, their uh, R and D because this is this is pretty weak showing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, right. I would say there's potential here, but I I can respect the Dorito uh, moving out of its lane. Sure. You know, maybe uh, maybe maybe they'll do a barbecue chip. I'd be open to it. Whoa. Um, you know, some something non cheese hmm. or cool ranch or spicy. Um, I'm I'm open to that. Goldfish. Yeah, throw me some different crackers, but put a little more effort into it. All right, well put. Um, so that was, I don't know if that was real. I mean, it's kind of a twist, right? Like Doritos, pickle. You're like, oh, who saw that oh, yeah. coming? Yeah. Dessert, Whoa, goldfish. What? Pickle. You know what? I, I, I think it's weird that like goldfish has a plain flavor where it's just like a cracker in the shape of a fish that's not cheese. Kind of weirds me out. But it, that's been around forever. That's like the pretzel is the newest one. I mean, I I, I got to say we are a strictly classic goldfish uh, family here. That's one of Ruth's favorite snacks. Um, sometimes all these out of the regular flavor, so they only carry flavor blasted. And while Fair. I will say the flavor blasted very tasty, yeah, I prefer the classic, yeah, um, just plain baked cheddar cheese goldfish. Uh, I uh the the pizza ones aren't bad. But they're not good. Mm-hmm. They're not good Pizza enough. To, good. They're they're not good enough to justify not getting the the original. Right. And if I yeah, if I want a pizza flavored crunchy snack, uh, you know, it's probably gonna be like a combo, right? Ooh, yeah. I'm also a fan of the Pringles pizza flavor, but um, you know, Pringles pizza are very good. Pringles are definitely an an acquired taste. Not everybody agrees with them. Um. But we can we can all agree that uh, I I appreciate the efficiency of their um, packaging and the spacing. Yeah, um, they know what they're doing. The space and a tube. Yeah, no, I like it. It's 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 uh, yeah, uh, that's good engineering right there. Uh, speaking of good engineering, uh, weekend at Bernie's and uh, Lady in the Water, they weren't perfect. Uh, the, their, uh, their architects, their engineers, we're not, they should stay in their lane a little bit more. Um, they both provided a handful of, uh, yeah. twists. Uh, Bob, how should we leave everybody today? I would say, um, that we get a Bernie's, uh, it can stay in its lane because I feel like it, it did a lot in in blazing its own lane yeah um that 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 movie is a true cinematic leader in movies about two young guys that are annoying that are hanging out with a dead body yeah at a beach uh or a party situation um 
Lady in the Water, M. Night, stay in your lane. One twist per movie. And, like, stick to smaller, like, focus of your characters. Like, don't have more than three people. Because you're clearly incapable of doing more than that. uh, And don't make yourself an important character. (laughs) Something that no one should have to tell a director. Yeah. I think that's a good... That's a good note to leave it on. M. Night, next time I see you in a new movie, I hope I don't see you in a new movie. Yeah. Just do a Stan Lee thing. Just tip your yeah. hat. Or tip do, your hat uh, and disappear. Yeah. But the, the guy that's in all the uh, James Bond movies. One of the producers is in every James Bond movie. Never oh, has a line. I didn't that's know That's how that. you do it. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I forget. The guy's name is slipping me, but I think he's been doing it since, like, the 70s. Oh, wow. Um, so this is the plug time. You got anything to plug, Bob, before we head out? I'll plug the television show Succession. Oh. Uh, I've been watching that in uh, some of my spare time lately on the uh, Home Box Office Network. Good and, stuff. And uh, it's really great. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, good show. All right. Well, there you go. Um, this has been Comparing Apples to Oranges. Uh, we had a good time today. Um, had some snacks, watched them. Well, we'll see you, Mike. Yeah. Uh, we, we might not have a great time watching the films, but have a great time doing this. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, so glad you could come back. Um, we'll catch you next time. I'm Mike. And I'm Bob. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. some good music there from uh believe it or not that was from weekend at bernie's that was burning flames singing island girl i kind of didn't know which one was which until i heard the actual song again and found out there were lyrics that was pretty helpful sorry uh this episode had a couple technical difficulties those were on my end um kind of caught up to us uh hopefully we'll be able to record in person soon so we'll skirt all of those issues Thanks for listening. This has been episode 61 of the podcast. We sure had a lot of fun making it. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. Check us out on Tumblr, comparing apples to oranges, all one word, dot tumblr.com. That's where you can check out all sorts of fun stuff. Also, there are some goodies in the show notes. Go ahead and check those out. Scroll down. They'll be there for you. Any comments or ideas for future episodes of the podcast, send it to. On Twitter, it's at the Cato podcast, all one word. Send us an email at Cato Podcast, C-A-T-O, for comparing apples to oranges, podcast at gmail.com. That intro, outro, music, bed music was thumbs up by the great artist Leisure B. If you liked him and want to check out more of his stuff, go to humanworkshop.com. We'll catch you next month. Bye.